0: Because we just gossiped about Comic-Con for the last half hour, or 45 minutes really, yes. Um, we have nothing to do for the cold open. Yeah, I suppose
1: that's probably true. I mean, I suppose the cold open could be, because the one thing we did not talk about it about at Comic-Con was you talking about the uh, the Fantastic Four extended trailer or whatever they showed.
0: Uh, Well, me telling you that it was not good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You've seen it now, right? Because it's been released. Yes. Yeah, I did. Uh,
1: and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I was like, I mean, it sort of looks like a, a certain amount of slop. But I mean, it doesn't look, I don't know. It, it doesn't look terrible. Yeah. But the
0: dialogue is
1: atrocious. Well, the dialogue's atrocious.
0: There's honestly. literally an exchange where uh, Kate Meyer says something along the lines of, we're a family. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this our way. Right. And the, the army guy goes, What if we say no? And then it goes to Michael Jordan, he goes, Say yes. That's right. terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's genuinely terrible. Yeah. The bit at the start is super charming with them as kids. Yeah, yeah. Where Reid shorts out the thing and I, like it's, uh, Ben's like, mm-hmm. Reed, you're what's it? You're insane. He goes, you... Thanks. Yeah. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. But everything after they have the the superpowers. The dialogue is just. I'm hoping it's you know the case of a trailer just being terribly done.
1: Well, it's also kind of. There's a lot of covering their bases, kind of like I. I thought as, um, as as sort of uh, old as quickly as the earlier trailers featuring uh, Kanye's power got old. At least I was like, oh. There, it, that seemed like such a good choice because it was like, oh, at least there's some concept of youth there, I guess. Yeah. And once you go back to the ponderous, super epic orchestral, this is like every other superhero movie trailer. I sort of feel like that loses a lot. Like it's, it doesn't seem like a deeply irreverent movie, I suppose. But, but I remember with the Kanye trailers, feeling like, yeah, this is what it needs a little bit. More of.
0: Well, what's know? fascinating as well is, like, the, the day that the trailer was released online, which I think was Tuesday, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, yeah, and and run the jewels to the music for the film.
1: hmm Which is like, what? I mean, that's... Yeah, well,
0: yeah. That's also like, why isn't that in the trailer? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to start positioning people for that, because that's kind of... That could be amazing, potentially, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, there's just, just a little bit of, you know, my biggest complaint. Like you said, the, the, that bit of dialogue was terrible. There's there's some of the other stuff. But but it was not like... I was like, it still seems like there's a good chance it will be better than the the, the original Fox movie. Sure, so, sure, yeah. You know. and it,
0: but what's really funny as well is you... Like, the dialogue was terrible, but it wasn't even as terrible uh, in a funny way as, like, the Batman versus Superman one. Right. Which like, was fun for me because it's so over-the-top. Yes. Like, the shot where you have Ben Affleck opening the paper and it says, you let you probably die, and, it, like, his reaction shots it's <laughs> hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: like, he's like, you expect steam to come out of his ear. Well, see, this is it. Like, looking at
1: that trailer, which is so ridiculously unsubtle and over-the-top. The, top, the uh, music!
0: Like, the, when the, the logo comes out, you have kids going, oh! Yes. Yeah. It's... it's like they really were like, yeah. People might be worried that you know we're taking this you know too seriously. Right. What if we just ramp everything up to a million? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So which is which is which is great in its own way, I suppose. But there is a little bit of the. I I think the problem with the Fantastic Four to me is, it's. Probably going to be just kind of a compromised mishmash when when the script when the whole movie is actually there, because um, it definitely seems like that's the that's that's how the marketing is going, which I don't think is is great.
0: But um... it's it's super. It was very interesting hearing them talk about it mm. uh, because you could tell, if nothing else, that Josh Trank did not want it to be that. Mm. He he did want it to be a different type of film. Mm-hmm. But then you have Simon Kinberg, who's there, mm-hmm. and you kind of get the idea that like Simon Kinberg was brought in by Fox to make it just, you know, make it sure it's not too out there. Yeah, right. So right. I, it, I it'll be very interesting to see what this, the film itself is like. Yeah, uh, which is
1: a shame, because honestly, I think that Fox would have been better served by just going out there by literally letting Trank do something that was closer to kind of some of that body horror stuff that he was talking about, you know, and a little bit like the very early issues of the Fantastic Four, which for John, a horror comic and a science which fiction comic. Which is
0: exactly what he said at the panel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Uh, he, someone, it might even have been the moderator, said something along the lines of like, yeah, oh, we're used to the superheroes. And he was like, yeah, but the first year of the comic is kind of a horror science fiction comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like so. It's there. It, you know, I'm not pulling this out of nowhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I
0: kind of want it to be like, "Are you listening to Baxter Building?" Right? <laughs> Are you taking it? Because we've said that. Yeah. Come, come on, Josh. Give us our due. <laughs> Hello listeners. God. Welcome to Baxter Building Issue 7. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call them issues now, Jeff. Even though it's episode, I'm gonna call them issues. I am Graham McMillan, I am your co-host, and with me is the always entertaining, always bearded, always beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> This is name, Jeff. Uh, oh, is it? I,
1: yes! I think, I think that's the part where we're always consistent. It's always, always where Jeff Lester forgets to say his own name. So, yes, hello, everyone.
0: For the rest of this podcast to make up for it, Jeff is going to refer to himself in the third person, and Ooh, uh, say his full name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff Lester Jeff's, thinks Jeff's... that issue sixty-two was a little
1: weak. Uh yes. yeah. You've you've taken the Doctor Doom correspondence course. Oh man, the Victor Von Doom elocution correspondence course would be like the best thing ever.
0: I would so love that. Um, I, uh, I have a quick question before we get into the issues. People, issue we're going through issues sixty-one through sixty-seven. But I could start by getting us horribly off-topic yes. by asking Jeff. Yes, Graham. Is Trump is he the real Victor Von Doom?
1: donald trump well let 's put it this way: hashtag not my victor von doom uh, <laughs> I would say I would say not no, but because I think that Victor von Doom is you know creepy and competent and and you know swept by delusions of grandeur that he falls just short of, whereas you, who's sort of a fan of dr. Doom.
0: Mr. As egotist, who is consistently his own undoing.
1: Yeah, his own undoing, and suffers from a an amazing uh deficit of imagination. Then I I would say right. yes, right?
0: Yeah. And also, let's be honest. You believe that behind closed doors, Donald Trump refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> Do you not? I I didn't really get much of that impression. I do think that he's... Oh my god, next time you watch him do a press conference, which, you know, he's doing like one a day these days. Yes. Just, you know, watch him for like five minutes and then imagine him going after the press conference back to his hotel suite and going, Donald Trump demands water! <laughs> <laughs> also, conversely, imagine Victor Von Doom doing the Marvel Universe version of The Apprentice.
1: Yeah, you know, um, for those, for those, for those who are interested, somewhere in in the back pages of the Comics Experience newsletter, um, did you do that? I did. I did Lex Luthor's The Apprentice. Uh,
0: oh, listeners to the podcast, what you may or may not know, depending on how long you've been listening, is that uh, Jeff Lester used to work at Comics Experience in San Francisco, and when he did that, he would write. A column for the newsletter that came out every month. That was the funniest thing, <laughs> and, and like, have you put them online? I've, I seem to remember you did at one point.
1: For a while, I was I was putting them up there through the Savage Creek website. I think we ended up taking them down because they more or less got nuked. Um, so
0: like, way, should, way, way on the, on, on the back burner. I've been thinking
1: website. about doing an ebook of it.
0: I really have. Oh, like, ever. should definitely do that yeah. then. So, yeah. Um, imagine Jeff's flights of fancy. Uh, given pros for them, Yeah. They were really, really, really amazing. And you did it for a while.
1: Yeah. I did it for something like five years, which like just aged me ridiculously. And then of course you took over and made it look absurdly easy. No, uh,
0: no, no. I was genuinely following in your footsteps. Uh, I, 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 I studied your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I took it on. I really did. I was like, oh my God, I'm inheriting this from Jeff. Ah. Uh, Well, and you did some great stuff, too. You really did. Oh, my God. Mutual admiration society over. Like I said, we're talking issues 61 through 67. Uh, For people who are joining us and wondering where the hell the Fantastic Four are at this point in their their existence, Um, they've just survived Galactus appearing for the first time and the end of the first sort of massive mega arc, including uh, the Inhumans. Mm Mm-hmm. Johnny is off of being romantically involved with Crystal. Uh, Triton of the Inhumans has inexplicably decided to hang out in Manhattan. Uh, and Reed and Sue are w- relatively recently married, mm-hmm. unless I'm completely misremembering the continuity. Uh, you know, it
1: seems as if they're still married, although when their marriage actually kicks in, because of course it's, I mean, it's, it's. I want to say it's annual number two, isn't it? So if you think no, about it.
0: No, it's annual three, isn't it? Is it? It probably yeah, is. Yeah, annual two is... Annual one is Submariner. Annual two is Victor Von Doom. Annual three is The Wedding. Annual four is Human Torch. Mm, okay, okay.
1: So, right. So this is, but we... So it's close to, considering you and I debated putting annual five in here... Um in theory and your it's like
0: fight happens just after this issue.
1: Yeah. So so or just
0: after sixty seven, I should say. Yeah.
1: So I'm saying it's like close to two years at that point. But but for all intents and purposes, it especially the way that comic book time breaks down, it is relatively recent. Now, Graham I hate to bother you, but there is going to be I I, I have a lot to say about the first couple of issues and um, you're going to hear a, you and the listeners are going to hear a lot of backseat driving slash kibitzing from me because although I enjoyed issues 61 through 67 a lot there's stuff in here that I really adored I also think that it's fascinating the extent to which issues 61 through 67 have uh, when i When I read it through, I'm like, "Oh, this is really good," and then rereading it, I was like, "Oh, this seems like a real missed opportunity. Oh, that kind of <laughs> seems like a missed opportunity
0: it It's a series of issues where a few things happen. We've talked before about Stanley massively overwriting dialogue, and yeah. there are parts in in these issues where it's amazing, yeah, the amount that he's overwriting the dialogue mm-hmm. I mean, just you know there's far too many words in each panel, yeah, but also there's some really sloppy storytelling in these issues.
1: Yes, there really is, and so uh, one of the things that actually struck me are there are times where Stanley's overwriting stuff, and there's times where he's working really hard to make things make um, sense. Make sense. So, oh
0: yeah, especially in what issue is it? It's issue sixty-four, the century issue. Mm. There are parts where. Stan is, is there's a lot of dialogue on those pages, and a lot of it is there because Stan is pretty much being like, "This makes no sense otherwise." Yeah, 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 and, and yes, exactly.
1: So, um
0: let's start with issue sixty-one. Yeah, uh, issue sixty-one. Where stalks the Sandman? Yes.
1: Um, uh, and and let me tell you, I I I love this first page. Um, you know, oh, I'm it's so great. So, it's,
0: this, so the issue opens with uh. The Baxter Building's machinery essentially turning against the Fantastic Four or the Fantastic Three. Because, of course, Johnny is still weirdly separated from the team for the most part. Yes.
1: Issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in this issue where in, in later issues where he's hanging out with Crystal, it makes a lot more sense. But it's kind of specific in here, I think, that he is not. So by the time he pops up, it's very, it's very strange. Um but yes so it's the three of them they're being attacked by the machinery in the Baxter building which is kind of uh it has become become a trope
0: really uh and but, but but the difference here is they're being attacked by the machinery by itself yes no one is apparently operating the machinery
1: yeah 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 so that it seems but um the the art on it is just gorgeous i i love it so much you know it in is, terms of
0: prime kirby but also prime sinnet oh, there are issues yeah. later in these in this run of issues mm-hmm. where i don't know if sinnet was rushed or if it's not really sinnet there's definitely some issues that look very much like Coletta with a slightly firmer hand than the blacks
1: mm. um
0: but this is this issue is sinnet doing amazing work like that splash page yeah. is just gorgeous stuff i mean because
1: if you think about it like looking at it i really was i mean apart from uh you know putting aside my appreciation for kirby because the the way your eye flows through this page is kind of brilliant and natural but looking at looking what senate is doing like to me you really catch that phase of on the first page, you've got Ben Grimm ducking under a ray machine that, you know, uh, uh, firing a beam at him. It's in the foreground. He's in the background. He's ducking. And the, I just realized like how amazing it, uh, it is. If you think about it to ink, to ink the thing, you know, because you don't have your typical clothes, you know, like if you if you look at Reed and Sue, a great example is they both have their arms outstretched, and you can see the the blacks that that are the where the folds in the clothing go, that also you know underline the dynamism of what sort of where your eyes supposed to go and stuff. But when you've got somebody like Ben Grimm, like he's he's literally a mosaic. So the decisions on how they ink him. It's weird, like, when it looks right, it looks amazingly right. But the longer I look at it, the more I'm like, okay, but how did they
0: make those decisions? You know? Yeah, they're, they're, there's no logic. It's not as if they they have decided there's one consistent light source. Yeah. They, they wear, so, and Sinnott is great at this. Mm-hmm. It, it, and you can tell the difference, because when it's not Sinnott inking, mm-hmm. the, the decisions aren't as smart. Yeah. But... Sinnett is very good at inking Ben's rocks Mm -hmm. uh, dramatically as opposed to realistically.
1: Right. And once you do that, then the figure actually makes more sense. You know, once you start moving away from that and, uh, you know, when different inkers have flattened out the thing, you know, he kind of falls apart. He sort of looks like a bad Muppet
0: but yeah, when you... What, one of the things that Senna does with these inks is he gives the thing muscles. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he gives the thing muscles and he, he really uses those inks. Not so much to heighten l- lighting, but, yeah, to sort of suggest anatomy and, and movement and stuff. In and a...
0: you can really see that in the second page, in the fourth panel on the second page when the thing is running towards the camera. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In like fact... Great shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And in fact, the first couple of, of pages here in this issue are kind of interesting because, um, you know, at the bottom of page two, you get those amazing shots of it's it's taking the thing and deconstructing him. He's jumped on the ray gun. The, the beams are, you know, he's taken the brunt of the blast. And you see all this amazing power, you know, um, But but the thing is also being you know, deconstructed. He's even more of just barely a shape there. And it, there's a similar thing that happens when he, um, gets the gravity discs attached to him and he starts spinning around, you know? So it's, it's one of the things that I I find really interesting about how, you know, Kirby's dynamic storytelling really gets anchored by sentence inks in a way that is super invaluable. And I I, I also have to say, one of the things I think is interesting is on the first page, Stan has Reed say something like, duck, Ben, that ray mustn't hit you. And of course, Ben says, like, I needed you to tell me that, which the first time I read it, I was like, oh, Stan, just throwing lots of words in there. But I... But rereading it, I was really aware of, like, oh, this does kind of serve some purpose, because by having Reed yell that, he sets some dramatic stakes for the idea that this ray is super dangerous. But also, you know, it's like it can't hit you. And then, of course, at the bottom of page two, it does strike Ben. And so there's very much this idea of, like, oh, you know, like the worst case scenario has already happened. So yeah. There's some stuff in there that really is Lee being smartly trying to figure out ways to introduce stakes into each scene, you know, to, 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 to give things a, a sense of, um, of weight to them, I think.
0: I, I want to actually talk about the, the, the scene where Ben does get zapped by the machine mm-hmm. because you have, you have the build of pressure of, like, basically, this, this will kill you, Ben. Like, yes. this is Splash Pages. You have to duck. The Nets panel, is that thing for real? He'll find out if it ever hits you, Ben. Right, and then it hits him, and and because it's it's Lee and Kirby, it doesn't just hit him; like it zaps him for two full panels,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: while
0: Mm -hmm. Reed gives a monologue over what is happening. (laughs) You know, he took the full brunt of the blast. The intensity is growing; it's hurling him back, and that's you know really building the drama. That oh shit, something terrible is happening. Yeah, and the next page, you just. Pretty much a bed getting up being like, I'm okay. I had my Wheaties this morning. (laughs) Everything's fine. And it really does, in in an accidental way, I think, Mm -hmm. set the tone for what is to follow. Mm. Not just in this issue, but in this era of Fantastic Four now. Mm -hmm. That it is false jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a brilliant
1: way to put it. You know,
0: Um... That, that things look really dangerous and oh my God, you've got to watch out. But at the same time, don't worry, you guys. Nothing bad's gonna happen. Right.
1: Well, because it, it may be a little bit of the, um, you know, uh, although although I think I very much think of Kirby as the the main storytell storytelling force behind these issues. Um, you know, Stan as editor and and you know, dialogue scriptor after the fact. Um, is is kind of aware, I think, that idea of, you know, maybe that idea of like you have to keep increasing the stakes, you know, and and in a way, it's like the Fantastic Four are at this point like, you know, their Galactus has happened, you know, and it's and that's this huge sort of crazy storyline, you know, Kirby is his storytelling is still top of the line but um you know there are ways in which his his story approach his approach to the stories are are almost kind of parochial you know um and i think we'll get into this uh at least i plan to get into this a lot more with issue 62 and the very interesting um two-part you know living century ronin the accuser thing which um So yeah, let's move on. But definitely, there's a weird, that sort of um, tug of war between Stan and Jack that we've talked about in previous issues. Stan, I feel for the most part, tries his best to kind of synthesize it to make it be something that is always... That, that his purposes are, in some cases, trying to up the drama or to make the scene have impact or to introduce the stakes so that things don't feel entirely weightless. But because he's only doing this after the fact um, and it's Kirby telling the stories, you do get a little bit of, like you said, there's there's very much that everything snaps right back to normal.
0: Yeah. There's you the know? drama and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really all through 61. 61- mm-hmm. In many ways, the first what, 10 pages or so mm-hmm. of 61, up until the reveal that the that the person that is doing this to them is the Sandman mm-hmm. in a snazzy new costume. Yes. Which is, I love. I love the costume because it's pretty much like Kirby's like, oh, I'm getting to keep him for a while. I'm going to redesign him my way. I, no, no more of that yeah. t-shirt.
1: I love that costume as well. And it's fascinating to me because it is very much this. It's very strange, isn't it? Because I really feel... um that that in some ways this incarnation of the Sandman is a misstep, uh, and yet I also adore it. I I
0: love you know, his costume in in, in the long term. Yeah, uh, history of the Sandman. It definitely is a misstep. Mm-hmm. It it's very removed from what the character originally was and later returns to. Yes, and also like the next three issues are pretty much let's make the Sandman into a major threat. And with the best will in the world, he's not. Well, uh, uh, so, like, they try really, really hard. Yeah. But there's only so many times where they can be like, oh, no, he's really solid. Now he's granular. Oh, he's solid. <laughs> oh, now he's granular. And, they, you know, they do. Now he can walk down the buildings because his sandy powers make him right. stick to buildings. Yeah. Which, you know, there's lots of stuff like that, but none of it really... Sticks, yeah. which sounds like a pun after what I was just saying, but yeah. but it's really fun,
1: nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's it's done with such verve, yeah, that you're really just like, okay, sure, and and yeah, the the outfit is is great, and the mm-hmm. outfits, uh, in. Not yet classic, but soon to be classic Kirby style will change between issues for no reason. <laughs> I, I think, you know, everyone should pay attention to the outfits uh, in 61, 62, and 63 because the F in 63 is not the same as the F in 61 and that it's not so like, it had a chance to change. That is so <laughs> it just funny. It doesn't stay consistent. Yeah. Um. But what I was going to say is so the first 10 pages or so of this issue mm-hmm. are all about the mystery and all about the the tension is building until the arrival of the threat. Yes. Um, Which feels very much like a miniature version of the Galactus, uh, Mm -hmm. the first issue of the Galactus story. Mm -hmm. That that it's all about the, all of this, you know, all this crazy shit is happening. Mm -hmm. And this is just the beginning. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel that that is the, that is actually the way that a lot of this, uh, at least a certain number of these issues Role like that's the case in here. It's a hu- it is the basic uh, the entirety of issue sixty two, which has Blastar on the cover, is basically just the introduction of Blastar. It all builds to that. Like the whole thing is about keeping him completely concealed until the last moment. Literally, he comes out of the negative zone. You know, does some things with his fart hands, and then boom, we're on to well, the next issue. You know,
0: and the same thing happens when you have, uh, yes. him yes. in the next arc as well. Yeah, it's all they're very big at this point. Yeah, of the look at all this shit that is happening, isn't this all overwhelming crazy? And this is just the starter. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. a very, very big part of the Fantastic Four formula here.
1: Yes, I actually think the him stuff is arguably a sequel to the Galactic Saga. I mean it it doesn't quite read like it, but I think it's it is it is Kirby kinda if you if you think of the Galactic Saga as like Kirby's like sci fi cosmic version of the old testament, I really think the hymn saga is the New Testament.
0: You well know? you could definitely, definitely, definitely see that in there. Yeah. And and it's I mean, we'll we'll come back to this when we get onto the actual issues, but there's definitely an interesting parallel to draw between him and Silver Surfer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, so, yeah, uh,
0: I... But let's get back to issue 61, which is <laughs> exactly. to be like, avoiding talking about. Issue 61 is, is is basically the Fantastic Four versus the, uh, the Sandman, who is now a threat, everyone. Yes. Sandman's a threat. It's a big deal. Look right. at him. He manages to defeat the Fantastic Four in a way that you know, if the rest of the Frightful Four were there, he wouldn't get away with this. Right.
1: Well, so here's the thing that I think is kind of interesting, because I do sometimes wonder if, like, who, like, I'd be very curious to see who put forward the Sandman, you know, in this incarnation as, like, let's make him a villain. Because, honestly, if you think about it, the whole weird idea that he's, like— Brushed up on his sciences, and so he knows how yeah, to mix which, chemicals with his sand. Which he
0: actually says, which is yeah. my favorite thing. He says something like, "I've I've read up in science. Yeah, just so, yeah. Here it goes. I took a fast fast refresher course in science.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Just science, yeah, you guys. Just you know, but there, but there is kind of this weird way in which the Sandman is. In this incarnation, he could he's almost a one-man Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? Like if
0: oh, he's he... he's he's a uh a substantial threat in a way that he's never been before. Yeah. And to be honest, that he'll never be again, even within the other issues of this arc.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, because right there when he's threatening everyone, it's like he can do sort of sand fist and he can stretch sort of like Mr. Fantastic. You know, Mm. his ability to sort of slip away like the invisible girl or to come back and start battering people like the thing or just his ability to overwhelm overwhelm the human torch with his hand. It's kind of like, oh, okay, this guy is is potentially supposed to be a full threat, you know, but in order to make him that you so have to break what the character was and then there's almost as if after there's this really game college try in this issue as you point out there's several more issues of him and of course he was popping up before this issue it wasn't he right in the in the some yeah, of the he was, leads up to
0: he, 60 yes he's mm-hmm. he's the character who escapes yeah that uh, in the the previous arc at mm-hmm. the beginning of the previous arc before you know Did uh, Doom and Silver Surfer even come into things? There's like an issue and a half of the the Sandman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they built the Sandman up as Mm -hmm. a really big deal. And this is the issue where he gets to be the big deal. Yeah. But as soon as Blaster comes into things, he then becomes this weird second fiddle who is neurotic about being a second fiddle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really, really interesting thing.
1: Yeah. Well, because it it is kind of this idea that... uh, uh, In a way, like issue 61 is kind of this study of of literally what the Fantastic Four is and in a way the tensions in the book that continually sort of undermine it. You know, because you have, uh, if you want, just a character who breaks into the Baxter building and kicks the Fantastic Four's ass, which is kind of your sort of traditional Fantastic Four issue.
0: Which has happened a bunch of times at this point.
1: Exactly. It's like you have it here and you've got Kirby just doing some amazing, just beautifully designed pages and Sinnott just inking the shit out of him. And in a way, it's entirely satisfying. And yet you know, in a bit of unintentional meta, like, you, you get a sequence where, um, in order to fight off the the gases that the Sandman has mixed in with his sand to, to basically fight the torch's flame, um, Reed opens the door to the negative zone, and shit goes crazy in a sequence that is just kind of amazing and over the top. But again... Also, kind of has this idea of, uh, you know, it it is the, it is the problem with the Fantastic Four it is is like okay, you've got a superhero book, and you've got you know essentially Kirby's obsession with cosmic majesty that literally threatens to sweep away everything in front of it and make it seem
0: irrelevant. Well, that's that's something that's going on in the book in general. Yes. The the inhuman's are it's not as if they're replacing the the main team because they're not. Mm-mm. But their constant presence mm-hmm. undermines what makes the fantastic four special in the but, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um and and so and everything after Galactus. Mhm. Because they are constantly ramping up the ramping up everything. Ramping yeah. up the drama, ramping up the the scope of the stories, ramping up the, the threats as well. It's not enough that the Sandman has come to beat them up. The Sandman has to come and beat them up and force the negative zone to be opened, which releases a cosmic entity. Yeah. You know, you don't have bad guys anymore. You have bad guys who will somehow force this amazing, like literally inhuman threat.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. to
0: to the book to the status quo yeah um and and so it's the book's at a really weird stage right now Mm -hmm. and it's at a stage where arguably it never recovers from yeah because these are the issues that send the template for everything going forward Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and so you get to the point where like when burn comes on and you know we're jumping ahead 200 issues now Mm -hmm. when burn comes on and he really takes things down to the level of the earlier Lee and Kirby things. Mm-hmm. It does feel special. Yeah. Right. You know, because because it feels different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing right now in these issues is really setting the template for the next, what, 20 years worth of Fantastic Four stories? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Even even more so than the Galactus stuff. Yeah, I mean,
1: as much as the Galactus stuff is kind of this...
0: Well, the Galactus stuff... In- influence this yes exactly this influences the other stuff because yeah. you can't do Galactus again
1: right we'll see and yeah exactly so in other words it's like Galactus is the high and these issues are sort of in their way chasing that high and and it is the format of chasing the high I think that is sort yeah, of I, I, I think you're totally right it mm-hmm, is the part also there is something that I think uh, again The Fantastic Four. The idea of the Fantastic Four as a family unit, as as you, our our conception of a family, is the idea of something that doesn't change. You know, is something that we can always. Access that we're always going to have with us, you know, and and yet one of the things that is interesting here in the Fantastic Four in the Fantastic Four, as it hits that is the idea of these are characters who are for themselves trying to more or less stay the same, like they've got their relationships that they're trying to pursue. But if you think of them as sort of the core of the book, the core of the book is something that is stable. And everything else around them is the stuff that's building, is bubbling, like the the pot is boiling with like the Sofer Surfer and the Inhumans, and and especially the stuff with the Negative Zone. I mean, this stuff is, um, to me, just amazingly powerful. Like the the it's practically the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they open the Negative Zone door, and on page eighteen. All of a sudden, everyone is just trying to fucking survive the opening of that door. Which
0: which is a really strange moment mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have Reed going, we're getting gas. And can we also just for a second say that, you know, the Sandman read up on science and all of a sudden he's like, I can do everything with my – I can do everything with my sand now. I can gas you. Yes. I can add paint to my sand. Yeah. The weirdest things. It's... But anyway, so he's yeah. he's – he's gassing them and Reed's like our only chance is to open the door to the negative zone and when he does so it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. what was Reed thinking? I know. Basically, He basically opens the door on an aircraft. Yes. Yes. Exactly. There's explosive decompression from another dimension.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is glorious. Which is difficult. very dramatic but oh, yeah.
0: it, it is one of those moments where you're like what was Reed actually thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you don't,
1: you don't really know. I mean, I, I think there is supposed to, it wouldn't surprise me if Kirby really does have that thing of, I, I mean, who knows? It could be any number of deals Whereas, like, you know, Reed tries to open up a door. Whoops. It's the negative zone. He wasn't counting on that kind of deal that, that Stan would be like, Oh, hell no. You know, Mr. Nobody does anything accidentally and especially not Mr. Fantastic. But um, but so it's pretty great. You have this issue that seems very much like it's kind of your standard pre-Galactus. Someone's invaded the Baxter building. Someone's fucking everyone up. You know, it's like, oh no, heavy machinery's fallen over that could screw up everything, you know. And the the very next panel is, the next few pages are, they've pretty much like uncovered the Ark of the Covenant and Reed goes flying into space into... You know the negative zone to plummet to his death, and and the rest of the Fantastic Four are just kind of sitting there, just kind of like going, "Holy fuck!" You know, it, it
0: is it's such a great ending, yeah, um, and it's so amazingly over the top, yeah. But but it's it's an ending that logically does not make sense at all, right? Uh, right. Be- I mean. I don't know if it, when you reread it, because when I read it the first time, I was like, "Oh shit, this is so exciting!" Reed's gone into the negative zone. They they can see him, but they can't get to him. Yeah. Oh my god! But then second time, I was like, "Who closed the door after Reed?" <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Exactly. No, it's it's no, a great really? question. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who does? And also ben is not there because he's trapped under machinery that he can't move because it'll explode yes and then as soon as reed has gone through he's like why well, don't know what happened yeah but but i could suddenly move the machinery i uh, because again it's kirby plotting and he's like okay that that bit's done yeah like i'm i've moved on i've lost interest mm-hmm. and you have lee again just being like oh shit you guys just like right don't ask the, the power went out it's fine
1: yeah totally Totally, like he's he's trying to come up with with reasons as to to why that happened, and you kind of can't, you know. Again, I can't really fault. Technically, the the fault is kind of Kirby's plotting. Is, you know. Again, as a, as I return to a time and again, as as sort of an excuse slash panacea type thing, is like it's it's fairy tale magic, it's fairy tale logic, you know. Well, it,
0: it has to be. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because it's it's not any other sort of, sort of logic.
1: Yes, right, and and for me, it is. Like you said, that that did not occur to me. What occurs to me, and we. Can move on and talk about issue sixty two is some of the amazing stuff that happens there that of course contradicts issue sixty one. So well,
0: which is which is what happens. Mm-hmm. we you know, there are many many times in this run where they will do something one issue and then the next issue clearly be like, oh wait, now that we've thought about it, right? Never mind. Yeah, we've uh, but we've had I, a month, bef- yeah. before we move on to issue sixty two, I do want to say that I love the particular ending of sixty one, mm-hmm. which is. Ben just saying, it's over. Yes, yeah. Like, like Reed is Reed is floating away in deep space. Yeah. We don't know yet that he can breathe in deep space, but because of course he can breathe in deep space. It's comics. It's but, it's uh, one of
1: the weird things about the negative zone is they've always made it consistently like it's not quite. Specific. It's like, it's just this weird, like, oh, in the Iron Man universe, you can totally breathe and talk in, in the negative Sure, zone. why not? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Because that's more dramatic. Yes. Um, but but you have, but, uh, Johnny tried to open the door back up. Yes. Ben stops him and says like, no, you don't understand, you guys. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. we've lost. He mm-hmm. to, like, it actually ends with him saying he'll be hitting the explosive zone any minute now. Yeah. And there's no way to reach him. No way to stop him. What's the use of kidding yourselves? We all know what I'm trying to say. He's gone. He's gone. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah. That's yeah. such a great end. Yeah, absolutely. I adore that ending. Um, I adore you know what, 61 like, and 62. I really yeah, do. Yeah, it's really, really great. So 62 mm-hmm. uh, is called And One Shall Save Him. <laughs> because we're in we're in like grandiose title time, you know. We're we're,
1: I mean, if you think about it, Graham, we are in, ti- we are in grandiose slash story spoiling title time. Like, if you think about that, that for like one second, it's like, okay, you know what I mean? It's very much that idea of like Stan being like, and one shall save him, you know, and it's like wait, he gets saved? Like, I guess, do I really need to
0: read this issue? Yeah, you got to find out who the one is, you know? And it's just sort of like... But also, like, so listeners of this uh, podcast will know that I have enjoyed greatly giving the full title of each episode because it would have the... The uh, bit above the, the official title And then the official title And it would be one sentence That's no longer the case But the, the caption above the, the title of this issue Is the grieving F.F. Laren To abandon hope Is to abandon life yeah. It's such a great over-the-top phrase yeah. I love that Yeah, yeah, yeah Well, and this is This is such
1: the um, Such the bombastic issue In, in, in an amazing way there's there's a lot that we have to it's like i don't know if we should really talk, unpack it as we go through it you know or um but there, there is just a there. There is kind of great. It is kind of even though there's that amazing cheat of he's gone, and then you come back, and it's like here's Ben, like trying to you know is him on the special space phone oh, that it's, allows it's him so to talk to the negative. He's one.
0: gone, but wait, I've got a phone line with yeah, him, yeah, which exactly. he can hear.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, like exactly. I've got a
0: phone. Yeah, Reed doesn't have a phone, but we can talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. I love that. there yeah. it's it's so great. But again the melodrama of being able to talk to Reed yes. as he is in their minds floating towards mm-hmm. his death Yes. is such a great concept. Yeah, it totally you know, is. It, it's like, you thought it was dramatic before, now it's more dramatic because you're going to hear this guy die.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you, and for that matter, you're going to hear the genius tell you that there's no way out. Yes. Yeah, Because absolutely. in the past, they have done the read somewhere else, but he will think of a solution. Mm-hmm. And so to, to have Reed say... There's nothing you guys should do. You have to get away. Yeah. It it's really does amplify the, the drama. There there yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: Um uh, let's talk about that amazing double page spread, which uh which is I guess pages four and five where
0: their Kirby photo montage. Yeah.
1: But it's it's wonderfully it's so wonderfully framed because you have the you know Johnny and Crystal and Sue and Ben all standing in front of this, you know, supposedly in front of this screen, the framework of which is pure Kirby machinery. And then inside it... But, but also it,
0: makes it look like a painting.
1: Yes. No, no, no. Exactly. There's
0: something about that frame that makes it look like they're standing in front of this ancient work of art.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, Graham, but I checked out the... This spread in both the PDFs that we read through the GIT court collection and the double page thread through Marvel Unlimited, where I I feel... check Unlimited. What's it like? It kind of suffers. I mean, to be fair, if you look at the the panels, um, it's really clear that Kirby didn't draw the frame at the bottom to align perfectly. So they sort of smash that together, and it looks kind of smashed together. But really, honestly, the problem is they just didn't have access. Like, however, they were able to re- try to reproduce the the screen image of Reed falling through the negative zone. It just it doesn't it it comes off a million times more of a really cheap high contrast photocopy. Uh, In the image behind. Yeah, it really is a shame. Whereas one of the things that I find fascinating is even though the reproduction here is kind of not perfect, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of of that. It's kind of terrible. Yeah, it's kind of terrible, (laughs) but it's terrible in a way that really sort of, you know, if you're being overly generous, which I am, I'm like, it's terrible in a way that stirs the imagination, you know? Because there is that idea. Every time I look at it, I'm like, holy shit. That original art on that must have been insane. You know? Because it's not... It's, you know... Kirby didn't just scan a bunch of stuff into his photo collage. You know? And, and then Photoshop, you know, a falling Reed Richards into it. He did other stuff to make this thing happen. And I'm sure the original looked amazing. So... um, can, So reed falls into the negative zone everyone is trying to to you know basically crystal realizes with lockjaw and this i adore like again i don't think that they ex- stand bothers to explain this but in this classic sort of intuitive leap when they realize that lockjaw can transport anywhere crystal very sensibly decides Oh, I'll just jump into the negative zone and save Reed
0: by transporting to right where he is and jumping back. By which no, no, I mean, no, no, Chris, no, Crystal doesn't. Crystal goes to the the Inhumans to get Triton to do it because, of course, if you can swim, you can swim in space.
1: Now, and okay. So let's talk about that because that moment comes up later in the thing. There's like a four page sequence of the Inhumans kicking a bunch of ass and fucking shit up. And then Triton jumps in after sinking a sub and goes into space to rescue Reed. And I have to say, this is one of those things where the backseat driving, me being Mr. Kibitzer. Graham, don't you think that. Pre the Inhumans, like if you can imagine this exact story happening, but then humans aren't on the scene. I think it makes a lot of sense that following this logic, the person that they would then have to get to rescue Reed would be Namer, the Submariner. You know, in some ways, the whole Triton swimming through space is kind of this weird kind of um, indirect shout out to Fantastic Four number six. What's
0: hilarious is I, when you were like the person they get, I was like, Doctor Strange. That's where he's going, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right.
1: No, 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 Uh, no. What struck me was this idea of Triton jumps through space, rescues Reed and swims back out. And it makes sense in terms of, oh, the Inhumans are there, Crystal's part of the Inhumans, Triton is there. But in in the terms of, like, if you're looking at it dramatically, you know, it's much more dramatic the idea that, you know, it's already established that Namor is a good space swimmer. And to go to him and ask him to rescue Reed Richards is a million times more dramatic than Triton yes. being like, oh, yeah,
0: sure, why not? I got 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's kind of weird when you realize how much Neymar was present
3: mm-hmm. for the
0: first 30-odd issues of this book. Very and present. And then how much he's absent Yeah, for the next
1: 30. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. He popped up in, like, issue 37 or 38 or something like that, you know, pretty much right before this whole thing takes a turn. Um and so it's fascinating to me kind of that idea of like, oh, there's there's really kind of a story, you know, a quote unquote, you know, Marvel story to be had in the idea of the Submariner going into the negative zone to rescue Reed Richards because he's rescuing the person that he most wants really to die, but can't because he's, you know, a man of honor and the woman it's, he loves it's, has asked him.
0: A, it's arguably a better story than the one we get. But there's yeah. there's – there's so much to love in issue sixty-two. Oh, you actually, I adore it. You mm-hmm. jumped over the mm-hmm. scene on issues seven and eight. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, six and seven. Where very nonchalantly they're like, "We're in this whole new dimension of space." Yeah. Here's here's those that dimension's aliens. They're dropping off a prisoner. Yeah. Like, it, and it really is very nonchalant. Do yes. You know what I mean? Like these days, I feel comic creators would make a big thing out of like, "Here are the aliens. Mm-hmm. Who are they? They are like, we will establish their culture." And right. here, literally, is like two random dudes being like, "Let's just drop this off and go home."
1: Yes. Yeah. Let's get rid of this thing and drop them off like trash. Now
0: that I and I, then you on issue eight, you get that amazing.
1: Oh page. my god! Okay, so listeners, page eight is a full page spread of Reed Richards grasping onto the edge of a meteor that is tumbling toward the, the destruction zone. He's sort of bathed in this beatific light, and he's at the top of this meteorite, waxing um, inspirational about the nature of man and man's place in the universe, and and really how the best thing that, you know, uh, essentially that, that he's... Reed's filled with the regret of not being able to explore the universe and see more of the majesty and the marvels. And yet at the same time, he's also aware that if he doesn't do it, someone will. And the purpose in life is essentially to contribute knowledge to the people who come after you and make the world a better place um, than than a little better than when we found it. I mean, Genuinely, genuinely inspirational stuff, Uh, and I swear to God, if I, if I, if there was one page that I could have of Kirby's original art, this one I think, arguably, would be it. Despite all the other things that I love, because there is, it's
0: it's such a great page. The artwork is beautiful. Sinnet's inks again, yeah. Sinnet's inks. Uh, not only on The Rock, which are actually really interesting to what he's doing mm-hmm. uh, with his line work on that rock, mm. um, but specifically on Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's been a better Reed than there is in that, pa- in that panel. Yeah. It's just – it's such an amazing page.
1: Yeah. But the other thing that I find fascinating is is that there's something weird. So I've got two other little, like – Here's what the issue... Like, me backseat driving the shit out of this issue. Um, But the thing that really strikes me... One of them is this idea of... That once you strip out Stan's sweeping statement... There's something... Kirby's actual imagery of it... Is strangely... I don't know... Jungian or something? There is very much this idea that Reed... Is on the top of this rock... And hidden from us, wrapped in, you know, this uh, straight, full body, straight jacket, is this other thing that we do not know what it is. We've seen the other people drop it off and it's basically like, it is bad news. But in the context of it, it is very much like, it's just Jungian and shit.
0: It's like, here's, oh, it's Oh, it's, it's amazing that you have reads... Mm-hmm. Holding onto this rock, completely unaware that on the other side of the rock. Yeah. I mean, he could touch it. Yes. Is is this, this mystery. Yeah. And Reed isn't even, is so unaware of it, he's looking in the other direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very much the, uh, the you know, archetypally, you're looking at, here's Reed Richards, and at the top is his best self. And at the bottom is his shadow self, his bestial other self. Now, this is where sort of my backseat driving is. And for people who you know want to put a pin in it, we're going to be talking in about 100 issues, God only knows when we get around to doing it, uh, a Roy Thomas story in which essentially Reed Richards gets replaced by essentially his shadow self. He literally gets replaced by... Um, the Reed Richards of an alternate Earth. evil Reed Richards. Yeah, who is the brute. And I've always, like, reading this issue, I've become convinced it's kind of a Roy Thomas do-over of this issue. Because what this issue really suggests delivers something entirely different. But for the, you know, on this page, it really suggests this idea of, like, The Reed Richards we know is going to go into the negative zone and kind of like Dale Cooper in the Black Lodge, he's going to come out as somebody else. Like his shadow self is going to come out with him when he comes out. And this is is what Thomas, I think, later goes on to actually do. But which we don't get here except in the most broad, strokey, when we finally see Blastar, he is the opposite of... Angelic Reed Richards, he is basically a beast man with fart fingers. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> So so moving on very quickly, we uh we cut from that amazing scene mm-hmm. to uh the five page sequence of the Inhumans randomly kicking the ass of some random dudes who are coming to get them for random, inexplicable reasons. Yeah. Like it, it's We talked about this last time. It seems to be the... It's about time for an action sequence.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. And the sequence is like mercenaries land on this island that these humans have already claimed on their own, which is pretty much sort of the same action sequence that happened just a few issues ago with the Inhumans, right?
0: But they weren't mercenaries; they were just random, like loggers. The <laughs> it <laughs> really Jesus, was. it was like hands or someone that are like, "Fuck you!" Uh, this at least these guys are attacking the Inhumans, which yes. I think is important. Yeah I, th- yeah, I think it's important for the Cyan Jack to position the Inhumans as heroic by having them be attacked. Yes. They, they are reacting; they are not actually you know, causing the shit to begin with. And it's a very good sequence in terms of Mm -hmm. who are the humans and what can they do? Yes, You have five pages of all of them using their powers Mm -hmm. and because it's, you know, 1968 or whatever, uh, announcing their names as they do so. Yes. So once more, you dare to pit yourselves against the power of (laughs) Karnak! You know, that sort of thing. Um, It's a great introduction. It's very Mm -hmm. good. But it's, it's pretty much a distraction from what's going on. And so you go from that five pages... Uh, towards, uh, back to the Baxter building, mm-hmm. where they are pretty much playing for time, waiting for Triton and Crystal and Lockjaw to come back so that Triton can dive into the negative zone. Yes. And and save Reed. Yeah. And again, when Triton dives in, you have a sense of wonder that has been missing mm-hmm. in the future. Mm hmm. in Mm -hmm. in future issues you know you because he he inter he meets this random alien Mm -hmm. and he says there's no time to investigate the strange life form which worlds endlessly pass yes and there's something so wonderfully tossed off about about that that i love it
1: yeah yeah i love that i also have to say one of the things that i love is the extra bit of business which again contradicts 61 but is great in that when Triton's getting ready to go into the negative zone, they send him into this to the room, into his like airlocks, and he's like, "Close chamber one, open chamber two. That's it. Don't stop now. Open three, close four. There's in a way there's almost no reason for it, but I love it's that. so wonderfully on the top. And yeah.
0: again, it makes no sense. Yeah, it makes uh, no because... sense from
1: what's going before. You know? No,
0: but uh, no, but it makes no sense, it's general, because he goes open, clo- open the first chamber, close the first chamber, open yeah. the second chamber, open three, close four. Why would you close four? Why was four open? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, because yeah, it's kind of that idea of like there's these six locks. It's really just. Just Lee being like, what's going to be super dramatic here? Here's a countdown. Um, but additionally, it kind of gives that idea. There's a lot of imagined space that ends up being
0: added onto that. Well, but it's it's it really does, again, ramp up the drama.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you
3: totally. know what I mean? Before
0: it was like, Reed went through and it was dangerous. And now that actually is amplified. Yes. By having tried and be like, okay, there's multiple stages. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to just go straight through. That's and Reed right. went straight through. That was bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. Never mind the fact that it makes no sense, because previously Reed literally just un, like, opened a door. Basically. It was,
1: yeah, it was like a submarine hatch, yeah. and
0: here the idea is to
1: actually safely enter the negative zone. You have to go through six airlocks, you know? is just ludicrous, and yet also unbelievably awesome. So, um, but awesome in that weird way that's like, yeah, if you think about it for a second, it's like It doesn't really hang together. So uh, after all this drama, and it's very much the drama of like Reed being like, that's it. That's that's the end for me. He's right on the verge of incineration. Triton comes and rescues him with his air gun. And oh my God, I love Triton sort of jetting around with an air gun. That's just like the best. It's...
0: but again, it's so funny because you have had an entire issue of them being like, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And Trident literally just with his air gun is like, let's psh, 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 psh. <laughs> Awesome! <laughs> it's, it's a like... gravitational pool that, like, everyone else is complaining yeah, about. Exactly. My air gun's powerful enough for me to get away like, <laughs> exactly. with. Exactly.
1: If you had just been a human fish with an aerosol can, you could have rescued Reed Richards. That's all that was required. That was absolutely it. And then what I love, which is a great badass moment, is Blastar um, is, is more or less in at the event horizon where his shit is bursting into flames and and he and also he escapes. escapes yeah yes. and and so i love the dramatic like here is the thing that nobody would could survive and blastar actually falls into it and it doesn't kill him and he comes back and gets out and that is such a great way to introduce like how formidable the character is even though cho-
0: immediately afterwards, they're like, and by the way, he has fart fingers.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. The, he's like the dog face guy with fart fingers. It really is. The next couple of issues are really kind of a, 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 a come down after this. But um, so uh, let me say that this is my last kibitzing. Um There is a letter in in the letters column that happens about three, literally three issues from now. And I didn't grab the name, but the, but in it, Stan is basically apologizing to people because of the number of people who complained about the cover of this issue, um, who picked up the issue and thought that it was the silver surfer was coming through. To rescue Reed. Like you see Blastar blasting things on the cover. You see Reed in the lower right. And you see this amorphous white figure leaping at Reed. And Stan totally is like uh, apologetic and is like, we wanted to make it a mystery who the character was who was saving Reed. So we g- we gave an instruction to the people putting together the cover to keep it kind of make it look amorphous and, and sort of put a sheen over the character. And then it didn't reproduce right. And so it kind of looks like the Silver Surfer and we're sorry, but I kind of had that moment of like, oh man, the negative zone is essentially this whole other world with other spaceships. And I mean, other world, it's this whole other universe with like spaceships and space creatures and, and you don't even have to pretend to acknowledge any of the realms of physical laws in our universe. And I'm like, oh man, put the Silver Surfer in there. You know what I mean? Like, kind of that great... Like, I know they've got other plans for him, story-wise, as we see previously, and, and, and of course, his whole issue coming up is him, his series, is him dealing with what sons of bitches we are in Earth. But I have to say, as a way to sort of resolve the sor- the problem of the Silver Surfer, having him become the Silver Surfer of the Negative Zone, and basically that loophole...
0: That's... That's still a great idea. Yeah, you know, it, like it's... I would read a Silver Surfer in the Negative Zone series right now. I know
1: exactly. It's like, oh, it's perfect because he's a sentinel of the spaceways, but it's an entirely different universe that he doesn't understand, and he's completely—it's all new to him. It's not his
0: experience. I was like, it, it... yeah, <laughs> it's a great idea. All the old, idea. different Marvel. Hey, get Jeff on the phone. <laughs> Just <Right>. saying. <laughs> exactly. uh, Reed, Reed gets saved. Yeah. Uh, by Triton mm-hmm. uh, fairly easily after everything oh yes um, yeah. and in it, what can only be described as another uh, suggestion that Reed really needs to pay more attention to security does not notice that Blastar who is like the size of a person yes Uh, follows him back through the portals yeah. from the negative zone yeah
1: yeah Again, there's just a little bit of that. Wait, how does this work? And even better is a little bit, Blastar comes back, f- you know, fights people,
0: leaps out a window, and everyone's like, well, that's that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but also, so Blastar leaps out the window mm-hmm. and is immediately grabbed by the Sandman, who is just standing about up, up on the top of the building. I love the idea that throughout the last issue, He's just been standing up there being like, uh, I, I want to go back and kick their asses, but it would be rude. Like, they're they're really in the middle of something. Right, right. He uh, jumps you know, out a window uh, and then is kind of like, meh, I'm
1: going to hang out.
0: I don't know what I'll do. Hmm. You know? <laughs> but there, there's the greatest exchange. Mm-hmm. So uh, Salman grabs him and says, now I got, what I thought you'd be one of the Fantastic Four, I never saw you before, but right. I'll have to polish you off anyway, can't leave anyone around to warn them. And Blaster goes, then you too are a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's a bit of a leap there, but I mean, you're right, but yes, exactly. it's a bit of a leap. <laughs> nonetheless, uh, Blaster and, uh, and Simon decide that they're going to join forces for plot related reasons. There's no other way to describe it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Just that whole idea is that, and, and of course in true sort of Stan and Jack fashion, when you put two villains together, instantly one of them's thinking about how they're going to be able to overthrow the other one as soon as they've achieved their ends.
0: It yeah, it is great. And, and, you have made, Jeff, a podcast career out of reading into the uh, relationship between Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, as, as is shown on the page. And if you just think for seconds, wait, is that how Stan sees partnership? Then, Oh, that is beautiful. It, Never it heard kind of to makes me. It's genius. A, a bit more beautiful. No? Yeah. Uh, issue 63. <laughs> the Fabulous FF United once more battles Sandman and Blastar the Living Bomb Burst. Yes. Yeah. Let's face it, Stan the Man, Lee, and Jack King Kirby have done it again yeah. <laughs> on, on the first page. Um, and it opens with Blastar just blowing shit up, basically. Yeah, yeah. but just is like, I'm going to blow a hole in the Baxter building. I'm going to blow you guys up. Who's that, Triton? I'm going to blow him up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the... The joke also by this point, uh, the Sandman has a, a, a much simpler costume. Oh, I, yes, I, you're right.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's lost his sleeves to begin with <laughs> sleeves um, and gloves, yeah, you're right. Uh,
0: but he uh, he teaches Blaster how to punch, which I think is this remarkably charming moment. <laughs> <laughs> the Blaster's like, Why, well, what is it? I've never fought with my knuckles bent in the form of fists before, yes. Which is great for so many reasons. One of which is, you know the word fist, and you <laughs> didn't know that people used their fists a bunch. What do people use fists for in the next zone? I, you know, picking stuff up,
1: like riding bicycles. Fists. Fists. You know. Yeah. I, no, no, fists, right? Fists, right? Like, I'm like, he's forming a fist. He's holding also, he's holding Everyone something.
0: listening to this, mm-hmm. who's coming up with a dirtier answer to that question? Oh, yeah, please don't. Stop right yeah.
1: there. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. <laughs> you, okay. you, both, you both unleashed the Kraken and then rechained the Kraken just in time. That was, that was not anything that we wanted to actually discuss in depth. But um in, in a way, part of me is kind of like, I think it's sort of where... The amount of thought that went into Blastar begins and ends. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, he's got fart fingers. He's never going to punch anyone. Why should he punch someone? Fart fingers. You know, he
0: wants to punch. He's totally excited. He's like, hey, you guys, I like punching today. Yeah, no, Uh, it is. It's absolutely adorable. It's something that I, I love about Blastar, and I've loved this since I was a child, is that Blastar's costume design makes him look like one of the masters of the universe. Yes. Yeah, he totally he looks like is. a toy. Yeah, he he is he is a very toyetic version.
1: I mean, because he is, he's like par- purple lion fart fingers. That's a that's
0: a master of the universe name right there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just uh, but so they anyway they between the two of them beat up Triton mm-hmm. and then managed to like just walk away, even though the rest of the Fantastic Four for some reason don't follow. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's it's a really strange moment of, of everything.
1: Again, there's a little bit of that thing of like Kirby's like, well, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. You know, it's like he, because they move on super quickly, super, super quickly. It's not even like, oh, we're going to cut away to a two page sequence to show the silver surfer trying to trim his toenails or whatever. It is literally, they walk down the side of the building. There's Johnny like out on the streets and he, you know, he's basically like after the police try and like jump Sandman and Blastar, which is itself awesome. Like, all of it is awesome as long as you're literally like, where are everyone that are still looking up at a hole in the roof? Are they like fanning Reed Richards with like a palm leaf
0: or, you know, what's happening there? Let's talk for a second about the police blasting Sandman. Yes. The police managed to blast Sandman with concrete, mm-hmm. which he says he can't bust out of because the cement's too hard. Yes. This is the Sandman, who can turn to sand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't see where you're Sandman. going with this, Graham. What, what do you mean?
0: <laughs> Why does he not just wait until it's hardened, then turn to sand and get out?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Instead, he freaks the fuck out. Yeah. He freaks the fuck out to the point where Blaster has to b- explode him out yeah. with his four fingers.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, the
0: strangest moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it it, it is. Cause there is there is there is a little bit of it where I actually enjoy issue sixty-three as basically just a super big fight issue. Again, in a way, it becomes, after this weird negative zone interlude, issue 63 sort of feels more like a continuation of issue 61, where it's like there are just big bad guys on the loose, and the Fantastic Four finally catch up with them, and it's kind of, it's literally a street fight, you know? It's literally a big, raucous brawl. Um and of course seeing Kirby and Sinnott do that is gorgeous. There's all these little moments that I love. But the issue itself makes kind of barely a lick of sense.
0: Oh it's you know? it's it's very much uh Stan is along for the right issue. hmm hmm Because it's it's all about the fight and it's all logic is minimal. Yes. It's all about the Kirby wanted to draw these guys fighting. Mm-hmm. I'll just let them do it, and I'll just fill some dialogue in later. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's there's so much that just does not make sense mm-hmm. uh, or or makes sense, but then is never followed up on. For example, Blastar at one point grabs Crystal, and she freaks out, and pretty much, like, send him away with her powers. Yes. And never that's never followed up on.
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: She's saying, oh, I'm just going to go and hide there. Never mind. I am. I have shown to be the one person Mm -hmm. who can affect Buster. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, shit. No, I should. I should. I should step back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Um, It's so. Yeah. Just just weird little bits where it's like, you know, where Kirby is very much doing his fight scenes and he wants his very quick mini reversals. There's a lot of reversals in this. You know, it's practically a pro wrestling match in the terms of like, oh, and the crystal thing is a perfect, perfect sign of it. Like, you know, Sandman has like swept the thing off and blown him away, you know, and rolls off with him down the street. Blastar, you know, is there. Johnny appears helpless and it looks like he's just going to like grab crystal and throw him over his shoulder. And then boom, it gets, you know. There's a reversal. And then he breaks out his fart fingers and then, boom, another reversal. Um,
0: And it all leads up to an amazingly unsatisfying conclusion. Yes. (laughs) uh, Which is the Sandman falls into water and discorporates. Yeah. And Blaster gets a helmet on him, which apparently means he can't blow up. Yes. yeah, Because according according to Reed, by cutting off the pressure buildup in your body, you'll become as vulnerable as any man how Reed knew that this isn't the only time that Reed is going to know things that make absolutely no sense, but will nonetheless save the day in this yeah. run. Yeah. But, but it's, it's amazingly half-assed. It's, yeah. it's really staggeringly and impressively, you know, I guess it's the final page of the issue. Uh, final, uh, you know, we should, we should wrap it up. Yes. Although I have to say in other
1: Fantastic Four issues where Reed breaks out the deus ex redna, you know, it's very in, in the, there's something that's a little kind of like, ah, I've broken out my, like, you know, my super trembler or something like that. And it sort of reduces him, and you get the, you get the villain like claiming like, no, no step away. One of the things that I kind of dig is right up until the last page, it's a, it's a mean ass little fight with Blastar. He tries to put the helmet on his head and gets blasted off twice more. So the stakes seem high just visually up until like literally, you know, the, the next to last tier of panels. And yet for all that said, like you said, it just, it makes no sense. He basically is able to put, you know, a hair dryer on a, you know, on top of Blastar's head, and it's like, oh, that's it. Okay. And then he
0: punches him, and it's the end. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just like, that's it. That is it. Like, we've drawn in a creature from an alternate universe that was so strong he was able to survive, you know, the dissipation of matter and antimatter, and he gets knocked out after having someone shove a garbage can over his head and then punch him, and punch him hard. You know, it's like, huh, there's a hmm. And, and, and Sandman, who in a way has been like on floating around on the verges, on the on the fringes of this comic since I think like issue 57. So something like six months of just being this threat that that is not going away. He literally floats off in the water. And I do kind of love the fact that Stan is just kind of. The way that he has Ben go well, no sense complaining. It turned out okay, anyhow, and and it really is kind of that thing of like he's just like, "Mm." you know, like
0: I uh, I guess this is what's happening, you guys. (laughs) Let's just move on.
1: And 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 honestly, I kind of love that a little bit more than than you know than having Ben think like, wow, good thing Stretcho like you know, told me to use the, you know, insta-sanda pulverizer that he packed into my shorts, like, Sandy's been dissipated from here to the Everglades. You know, it's just so much better in a way that he's kind of like, I, fuck if I... Well, I guess we're fine. Like, exactly. you know.
0: God knows what happened, but it seems to be okay, right? Yeah. I'm going to get back on land. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the weirdest ending. Um, We go from that three-parter of... Varying degrees, and also we really should pick it up for more than an hour into this oh, podcast. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, to the two-parter from in issue sixty-four and sixty-five, mm-hmm. which is, uh, oh god, it really is a full title. How can the fabulous vacationing FF survive <laughs> the attack of the century sinister? <laughs> Another majestic mind-expanding Marvel masterwork. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we before. In the Fantastic Four previously, we have seen some wacky coincidences. Yeah. This issue (laughs) features the biggest coincidence that arguably has ever appeared in a comic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Completely.
0: Uh, Completely. Reads in order to placate uh, placate, a suddenly uh, weirdly huffy Sue is like, we'll all go on vacation. (laughs) Ben. Why don't you choose an island at random? What's that? You've chosen the one island at random that has a crease entry <laughs> <rubbish>. <laughs> What are the odds? And the answer yeah. are the odds are unrealistic. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: Well I'm trying to think, isn't that isn't that how didn't the last time they took a vacation is when they ended up with was that Diablo? Diablo? Yeah, exactly. So which also had it, that kind it, of like
0: know, but well, also was that not also Ben's suggestion? I think it might think have been. What we been. Might be learning is don't let Ben choose vacation spots yeah, ever. Also, if it was Ben's suggestion, I really wish that they'd run with that. Oh man! To every yeah. single time the bedroom went on vacation, it went wrong <laughs> because that would be an absolutely
1: hilarious running joke. That would be like the best running joke to to hang a
0: lampshade on that in just so total typical fashion. Um, anyway, yeah, so they choose the island because Ben blindfolds himself and throws a dart at a, ma- a map of the world, yeah, yeah, and they still end up on the island where the crease entry has awoken and decided that he is going to fuck shit up, yeah. Um, this is actually a really relatively minor issue. I think we can speed the past this relatively quickly, unless there's something you want to say about it, right? Well. Uh, I, l- l- yeah, let me punt to issue 65. That's the follow up well, in that sense. 64 and 65, yeah, I want to say very quickly, are both issues where Lee really is working overtime to yeah. keep it coherent mm-hmm. because Kirby is so excited about the chance to do amazing graphics. I mean, again, this is an issue that looks amazing, yes, uh, that his panel to panel continuity is fucked mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Lee really does have to work double time Mm -hmm. in order to just explain what's going on. Yeah. Whether it's in characters saying, I can't believe that he shot me and now I'm on the other side and blah, blah, blah. Or captions where he explains. There there is an an astounding amount of that going on.
1: Yeah. You know, I actually did have this while we were talking between this issue and the last issue. I'm like, you know... I'm sort of like, is it that Kirby's excited? Or I kind of have that weird, like, or is this, are we going to find out later that this is, like, when Kirby, like, literally moved? You know what I mean? Like, he and his... Yeah, exactly.
0: It, it seems a, a very, uh, and again, it looks wonderful, but it seems a very distracted Kirby issue. Yeah. And they, they come up periodically. Again, maybe he was working on the annual at this point. We don't know. That could but be, right. It it's, you do periodically get these issues where the dynamism's there, but you know, without Stan, mm-hmm. it would be uh, it, w- it would be really kind of problematic. It would be it would it would be a mess. Yeah. Talking about without Stan, mm-hmm. uh, this is a really good time to mention the Kirby without. What's it called, Kirby without? Oh pictures. yes,
1: yeah Look. yeah 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 yeah. Oh gosh, where is that? Um... I'm gonna have to find the link. Talk amongst yourselves, Jeff. Right. Uh, so, everybody, what Graham is looking for is we actually got a fabulous uh, tweet um, from. Damn it! Of course, my thing's gotta like log on here. What's that?
0: Kate Willard. It's called KirbyWithoutWords.tumblr.com. Dot dot
1: yes. Thank you so much for remembering it.
0: It is designer Kate Willard. Yeah. Um. That, that came up with it, and it is literally. Uh, she is taking. Pages of Fantastic Four, and she's stripping the dialogue out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, and then, looking and comparing and contrasting it with the original uh, w- printed return, and looking at a lot of what we've ended up looking at is the way in which um, Lee and Kirby are sometimes working at cross purposes, where there's other things being suggested in the visual storytelling, um, separate and apart from what uh what lee ends up putting into the captions so it's it's a really really wonderful
0: um tumblr kate's great kate uh covers she wrote up at covers for the beat for a while oh did she oh that's fabulous
1: yeah so it was it was pretty awesome she did mention that she 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 does i have to admit the wait what podcast pops up in here a couple of responses so um which i'm i'm more than happy with uh Kate, thank you so much for sending us the link. People, again, that's kirbywithoutwords.tumblr.com, and also I'm sure Graham will have a link to it in the show notes. I was going to say I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but
0: then... no, it's it's me this time. <laughs> <laughs> hoo, 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 hoo. This, these are the episodes that Jeff loves because I edit them and then put the show notes together. You know, <laughs> it's, they're it's... Jeff's favorite Wait, what <laughs> episodes. <laughs> So
1: every episode with you is my favorite. Wait, what episode, Graham? So, uh, um, so yes, the the thing that I that I find again the most interesting about about this issue is the fact that they fight the sentry. The sentry, it turns out, is a Cree Sentinel who's been there to uh, protect an abandoned spaceport that has long been deserted. Um, the science. Two scientists, or rather a scientist, and his tough, um, you know, Guy Friday sidekick it's end generic up...
0: Generic Kirby, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, gen- generic Kirby Safari Explorer types end up waking the century. In some ways, it really does, if you think about it, it's it it almost seems like a an old Marvel monster story from Stan and Jack, except the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four get involved, you know? Like it's very easy to imagine an eight-page where it's like I unleash the century of Stumdar kind of thing, um. But the thing that I really like about this issue and the next issue is, a the century is more or less aware that he is, um, that his job is pretty much junk, that there's no point to it, but it, he continues to do it, again. And two, I would say that for someone who is not me, someone who really knows what the fuck they're talking about, there's a really interesting streak of colonialism in the Fantastic Four and I think in Kirby comics generally. Like, Kirby is... I mean... One thing that struck me both with this and with the hymn storyline that follows is for me in my gut, the whole idea of part of the idea of like Kirby as the guy who's creating the stories. Part of the reason that makes sense to me is Kirby comes back to the idea that the, the planet Earth was inhabited by an ancient race who left stuff behind many he comes back to that many times throughout his career. I don't really get much of a sense that that is something that 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 Lee himself is interested in, you know. One of the things I find really interesting about 64 and 65 is that they are essentially a a potentially great epic that more or less gets kind of dashed away in two issues and thrown away, which is the idea that the Fantastic Four end up crossing just literally by dealing with the sentry um, who is, again, just this little soldier on this little outpost that has been abandoned by the Empire. But nevertheless, the fact that the Fantastic Four fuck him up is enough for the Kree Empire to say, like, okay, we're sending Ronan the Accuser to, like, judge you. And, and so there's something that I find really evocative in that. It's not so much a kind of the traditional idea of, like, Oh, we found out that you've achieved sentience, and we're here to judge you and see if you can really understand the pleasures of ice cream. You oh know no, it is—it
0: is especially we, like you—you you fucked with our toys.
1: Yes, you fucked with our toys, you stupid natives, and now we're going to punish you for it. And so, uh, to me, the first two, sixty-four and sixty-five, are. In another alternate universe, this amazing mega epic, in which instead of the the scroll Cree War that you get, you know, not long after, you get the fan- the FF Cree War, where essentially the Cree become aware, that, you know, basically go to to punish the Fantastic Four for being stupid natives, and then when they beat Ronan the Accuser, it more or less builds up and up and up and turns into this amazing sort of colossal galactic war in which the Fantastic Four single-handedly proved that the Earth, uh, it, it, it breaks them away as a colony from the Kree Empire, and they basically achieve their independence. Like, they turn into, like, you know, it, they, they basically turn Earth into America after breaking through of the tyranny of this galactic empire that is so big and honestly totally fucking forgot about Earth for millennia anyway and yet like any true amazingly dickish colonial empire was you know furious that anyone had you know any of the natives had like fucked with their stuff
0: well first of all as someone from you know <laughs> a a dickish colonial empire i'm not sure how i feel about that reading uh, secondly <laughs> i think i think you're i think that's a great idea mm-hmm. and i think it's really interesting to me that you're giving as much credit to issue 64 as you are because I enjoy issue 65 greatly. And I think that issue 64 is really feels like filler until you get to 65. Oh yeah. No, I'm uh, sorry. The, the, yeah. The pacing right. mm-hmm. is, is terrible. Yes. We, you know, we've joked many times about the terrible pacing in fantastic four, yeah. but this issue in particular oh, is yeah. appallingly paced. Mm-hmm. Um, the resolution is pretty much, uh, you know, I, I guess it's going to explode. Let's get off the island. And again, Reed Richards knows stuff that he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, out of nowhere, he says the isle was once ruled by some powerful alien race called the Kree. Yeah. They obviously kept their main en- energy and power supply beneath the earth, where it has remained for all these ages. Yeah. Now Johnny's Flame managed to reach it, setting off the main edge. And within a, few, a short time, the whole island is like to be blown sky high. Yeah. He has no reason to know that.
1: No, he really doesn't. He it's really utterly
0: exposition on mm-hmm. utterly expositionary on the second last page just because they have to finish the story. Yeah. Uh and it's it's really it it's really lazy. No, no, exactly. Issue sixty four is
1: really lazy. It's issue sixty-five where that's an instant follow up to a slapdash story where it's basically the Fantastic Four are have are essentially beam division. Of Ronan, the accuser saying, I'm going to come and fuck your shit up, which is kind of great. It's kind of, it's so surprising in part because, because 64, I think in a way really works that it feels like such a slapdash fill in issue that when you get that second follow up story, you're kind of like, what? you know, and it kind of works to me. It really works that way. That idea it of does. like,
0: and, and 65 is great. Mm-hmm. Sixty, There's so much to just utterly love about 65 on the, the micro and the macro scale. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. It, there's, I mean, again, some great artwork. Oh God. It, yeah. There, there's, there's just some amazing stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh The idea that, that the Kree really are so upset that, that, the Fantastic Four destroyed the century. That they send this guy out to just fuck them up. Mm-hmm. I, I I I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love on a, a entirely different scale the opening sequence that they all think it's a bad dream, and you see that Ben and Johnny sleep in the same bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. They end up making
1: Stan ends up making an excuse for it in the dialogue. But I actually would honestly prefer the idea that they both sleep in the same bed. Like, you know, like Three Stooges style. That's the only thing that really, it makes sense, you know? So, and again, there's the great, like, dialogue that they have while getting ready in the morning. The stuff with the, with the, I love the thing sticking his tongue out in the mirror. And... And, again, and talk, the art on that is worried, just amazing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just... There's, there's a lot of really great touches in the issue. And, again, even to me the stuff that that kind of almost doesn't make sense. Like, they're like, well, we had the same dream. Huh, what are the odds? You know, it's just great. It's just great. You know? Um, yeah, I really... I dig the issue. I love that the, it's got a little bit of the... Kirby comedy hijinks that we've seen where the FF are kind of out in public and then something kind of fucks with them and of course my favorite really is when Ben gets this package from the Yancey Street gang and starts shaking it and the mailman just freaks loses his shit I think
0: I actually really like the the date between Reed and Sue
1: yeah that's also kind of wonderful isn't it? I,
0: it's it's nice because Reed is unrepentantly I'm mm-hmm. a misogynistic dick. In I mean, <laughs> yes. amazingly. There, yeah. there are times where he like outright orders her and he's like, you're my wife, damn it! Do what yes. I say! Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's... It's nice to see them dating. And it's nice to see him try and woo her. Yes. And you know, he's trying to woo her within the confines of Stan Lee and, you know... <laughs> totally. But but it's it's sweet despite
1: mm-hmm. everything.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. and you never really get a chance to see them be sweet to each other.
1: Yeah, it doesn't because they really do have one of the most dysfunctional relationships in comics. Them going out and and on that date is is so amazingly overdue, you know. Um it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, the the nice little moments in the issue before the hammer comes down, I, literally.
0: I, I, there's a lot of them. It, Ronan doesn't appear, or he does appear, but he doesn't confront the team until issue uh, until page 10.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, so it's like you're, halfway you're, through
0: the book. Yeah, you're really. halfway through the book. Yeah. And ultimately, Ronan's confrontation mm-hmm. is relatively minor. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's it's very much... I want to say, is it is it all one scene? I guess they cut away from Alicia's mysterious they, they, subplot.
0: Yeah, they, they cut away for Alicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the hilarious trumpeted on the first page of the issue subplot, oh, the mystery of Alicia. That is just amazing. The mystery Which, of
1: Alicia is just. Doesn't it sound like a, a track from the 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 uh, poorly received Stanley sings? ballads album oh my god
0: who who doesn't want to hear that album
1: (laughs) (laughs) but um so yeah again the thing that i I don't know 65 i i like a lot it's um i don't know me being me i'm going to say like what's up with like ronan's hammer and then pretty much leave it at that so why what's wrong with Ronin's hammer it's kind of got a space vagina on it you know, I don't know, did you notice that? Like look at look no, at page Jeff. No look at page fourteen. Look at page I... fourteen, Graham. Panel two. <laughs> we're
0: moving on. Everyone
1: <laughs> Anyway.
0: Because because we're moving on now, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh to issue sixty-six. Yes. Uh To save Alicia, the fabulous FF must solve the deadly riddle of what lurks behind the beehive. Mm-hmm. Uh, And Alicia, we should point out, in issue 65, disappears. What is the mystery of Alicia? It's that someone appears in her apartment when the door is locked. Yes. Uh, And and she says that specifically, that no one could come in because the door is locked. Yes. And leaves with her.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Which is what makes the first page of issue 66 so interesting. Yes. Because Reed says, why would she leave her front door unlocked when she went out?
2: Mm Mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: yeah uh, she didn't, but uh, you know it's a it's a month between issues. you guys are forgetting shit
1: right well it's it's it it is once again, I feel Stan is coming up with a desperate way to figure out a sort of how the fuck does everyone know that Alicia's disappeared? if Alicia just walks off through a wall with a complete stranger that we don't know, like you know they're they're investigating as if something has happened. Which makes sense for the plot, but as Stan has figured out, nothing has happened, you know? So he has to contrive something that absolutely contradicts the previous issue, you know, because the previous issue, the door has to be locked to give the mystery of how that guy got in there. And then it has to be unlocked here so that the FF know that something is wrong and to investigate Alicia, you
0: know? Yeah, it's, it's very... It's very all over the place. In, in fact, a lot of this issue is very all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Ben's overreaction.
1: Yes. Is, is startling on page two.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he he attacks Reed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For no real reason. Yeah. He attacks Reed because, again, the plot demands it of him, but there's no reason for the plot to demand it of him either.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, it, it's, it's a very strange scene. Mm-hmm. That I, th- that Stan at least tries to retrofit into, you know, nobody knows the pain of the Hulk of the thing rather. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but but is is very strange and serves no purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No.
0: Uh, and and it's strange that even Stan says it up as no one knows the pain of the thing. Because the next time you see the thing, he's feeling sorry for himself, and everyone comes up and are like, "You're great."
1: Yes, yeah. It it seems like a very big, like to 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 sort of backwards, you know, to, to reverse engineer it. It seems as if. Kirby is going from the story to the prompt of well, the only reason why Alicia has left without telling anyone is because of the fact that she clearly hates me and i'm I am I am hateable and and no and basically you know I'm a shit and then yeah
0: yeah exactly what he he needs to understand that Alicia wouldn't have left exactly so Stan takes it to extremes of well of course she'd leave me why would someone not leave me I'm a monster yeah and then needs to turn around of maybe I'm not a monster maybe something's wrong I'm going to go back and apologize which is when he then walks in on Reed and Sue who are like she's actually gone right like this is not normal Mm -hmm. she's gone gone
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah one of the things that I think is
1: interesting about About issue 64 65 i guess i'm sorry is the that kirby the the way things have paced out here is kirby spends a lot of time setting up the characters of the scientists in the beehive the whole situation with him which again is makes no sense really uh and and in order to give it to give the the later issues some actual genuine emotional heft you know there's a there's a twist that's building in this story of these um four scientists who have you know faked their own death and have disappeared and have formed the beehive to essentially work for the betterment of mankind and have invented a, a better human essentially and you know now need alicia to be able to literally see him, which is again this very weird, like all of Kirby's fairy tale plotting really kicks in here, to to the point of it's it's almost weirdly biblical, mythical, like you know, if if ever if anyone wanted like sort of the Moby Dick issues of of the Fantastic Four, um, you know, it doesn't hit it in terms of that level of over-the-top operaticism, I suppose. But just in terms of that weird idea that him is cannot be seen by these guys, and the reason why they bring Alicia is literally so that she can get close enough to him to see him and then sculpt him so that they will know what they're up against. Mm-hmm. I mean... Well,
0: but there's, you know, there's the... The plot reason, which is Alicia, it, he is giving off such light that to look at him would blind you. Yes. Alicia, however, is already blind and therefore can get around that. Yes, um, but um. there's the metaphorical reason of Alicia can do it because she's pure and they are not.
1: Exactly. Well, that this becomes it once you once you start looking at him, when, once you start going back to those ideas of the same stuff that sort of inspired Melville and Moby Dick, the idea that the that, that the incarnation of God on earth cannot be looked at directly. None of these guys can literally see what they've created because he is almost in a sense. It's as if they've created God and the only person who can actually apprehend the face of God is Alicia because she is blind, but also because she is literally pure of heart. Yes. And, and so in that way, it's, it's, it's one uh, what I find really fascinating about issues 65 through 67 is again, in that weird, almost contradictory way of the Fantastic Four at its best, it to me is the most satisfying even as it more or less makes the most the least amount of sense in a, in a logical, rational world.
0: Yeah, there's something very, very strange about this issue because and, and the Nets, the, mm-hmm. the storyline in general, really doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff that if you're looking at it in a literal way, Mm -hmm. you're just like, but wait, like, how would they know that? How does that even work? Mm -hmm. I mean, the entire how they're able to follow Alicia is by taking a photograph of the technology and blowing up the photograph so that they can see the circuitry so that Reed can retro-engineer it from a photograph. Yes. Knowing that that will work exactly the same is hilariously nonsense.
1: Yeah, hilarious. Every every step of the stuff that the Fantastic Four end up doing is, I mean, on the one hand, it is, I, I honestly feel... Kirby, for storytelling purposes, is stalling for time. It's the FF's comic, but he's got to set up all this stuff with the scientists and their how we perceive them and their emotional investments in the issue. In order for the story to pay off, what's great about Kirby is his idea of of um, stalling for time is like shit out of like Jean Cocteau, you know, where it's like the whole idea of them recreating a film image from the heat after sources like Reed has basically like figured out a way to to make a motion picture projector you know slash time machine you know where yeah. they're literally staring at what happened and i love the page it's page 18 i think that top panel where they're all reacting in to Alicia walking off through the wall and the way that Kirby has that framed from you know it's happening. The FF is watching it, and we're set up to watch them. You know, just that kind but of. it
0: also Looks like they're following. Yes, exactly. Which it looks like they're is literally to. following mm-hmm. uh, the the scientist and Alicia as they're walking through the wall. Yeah, yeah, very which, much so. Which is wonderful, and and you then get uh, Alicia in her spacesuit mm-hmm. as she and the scientist go to find him. Yes, um, and and the the. You don't even get in this issue that him is a cocoon. Yes. Yeah. You know? Like mm-hmm. you don't you literally don't know what him is. Yes. The mystery of the year, what lurks behind the beehive is what the cover says. And that's a great way of putting it because you have no idea. Yeah. you you were told in this issue that it's this powerful thing that you cannot be looked at. Yeah. And that counts for the reader as well. Yes. The reader can't see this thing. Yeah, exactly. So so Alicia is still going towards the unknowable. And again, like the 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 Sandman story earlier on, it this issue's all about the look at everything that's happened and this isn't even the start of the story yet. Yes. Like at the end of the issue, the story's starting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The story is really starting. Like this is it's it's all a prelude. It's all build up. And yet it's it's really terrific because it does take the stuff that happened, like you said, with the Sandman or with Blastar, where the revelation goes from taking like 10 pages in the Sandman to 18 issues or, you know, 15 pages in Blastar to this entire issue. And at the end, you still haven't seen him. And that last little weird, again, religious inversion of uh, one of the characters, I'm assuming not Alicia, maybe it is Alicia, saying, even though I can't see him, I can feel his presence, his hatred reaching out like a living thing. That's really, a it's, it's really enjoyably creepy and, and intriguing to me, you know?
0: And so it's fascinating that you get from that to what happens in issue 67.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, When Opens the Cocoon Yes Featuring the creature in lock 41 <laughs> i love that they put that in there Yeah Um Which is such a uh, th- These two issues are so wonderful But again, completely nonsensical yeah. And in many ways feel like Because Kirby is getting He's not doing cosmic as such As doing metaphysical Yes It feels like He's grasping towards what he'll eventually really explore in 2001.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Very much so.
0: Yeah, this feels like the stuff in
1: 2001 where... and, And it's funny because I actually thought, again, there's that idea, like I said, like, talk about stuff that is, you know, curvy driving the bus. This sort of stuff comes back again in 2001. I mean... Him is in some ways almost a weirdo dry run for Machine Man, you know. Um, But
0: but also a redo of Silver Surfer.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes. Well, and again, yeah, for me, there's that idea of like, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. And the New Testament is kind of jammed into these issues where it turns out that uh, these scientists who we think are the heroes in the previous issue, spoilers, it turns out that, and it, I thought it was actually kind of a great reveal because it happens partway through this issue, or does it happen at the end of last issue? I forget where the, f-
0: the, the, they're they're evil. Yeah,
1: that they're that they're evil.
0: I want to say that's the last issue. I want to say that's towards the end of the last issue. Yeah. I, that, I, uh,
1: no, I think it's. I no, think it's it this is, issue. It is this issue. Right?
0: It's page five of this issue. Yeah, that's right. It's
1: page five of this issue, which is such a great place to kind of. Drop that little bombshell is to realize that that these guys are 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 evil and wicked, and this thing that they want to destroy is literally because they didn't create it with the with the ability to control it, you know.
0: Yeah, we've created the ultimate man, but he's not going to do what we want. Therefore, we have to destroy it. Yeah,
1: which is. I mean, it's great. Again, the sort of thing that Kirby more or less toys with in in some of his later stories, too. It's just a fabulous, if nothing else, it would be a fabulous superhero book hook on its own,
0: you know? In many ways, it's, uh, there's, for me, there's elements of Womack in here.
1: Oh, yeah, right, right. That's actually a really good point, too, where, you know, there is something that is, you know, that, that transcends the culture in which it's created you know um yeah it's it's great it's very it's very it's a very sort of grim issue in that sense because you've got Kirby basically saying like yeah this I think for me especially it's it seems like it's very rare that you have Kirby being like oh here's a bunch of scientists and they're total turds like you really see the beehive, Look.
0: Kirby um, loves science.
1: He does. He loves science. And so when I was reading the previous issue in 65, I'm like, oh, or 66, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is very much like Project Cadmus, you know, from uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, you know, Kirby's run there, where you have a bunch of scientists who have created, you know, X and the Newsboy Legion and all this stuff. So for me, the the curveball of like, oh no, but they're all they are all wicked bastards, and at the core of it, what they have created, I just I just dig it, and and the fact that there's the revelation of the cocoon, that the cocoon, the cosmic cocoon, because there's that amazing sort of you know star at the top of the cocoon with all that Kirby energy around it, is just pretty wonderful,
0: and it's also wonderful that. The cocoon is aware and talks. Yes. And so you have him say, I'm about to be born. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it's it's and again you have Alicia having superpowers because she is like, You are so pure, I will protect you. Yes. As opposed to what what are you? Yeah. You feel very strange and yet you're talking to me. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: So yeah, it's um I, I, I really do love this stuff. And there is a lot of stuff about him about to be born. And no one knows what will emerge. I do think there is something that's really kind of interesting. It's, it's just an awesome issue. I dig it.
0: I, well, what is also great for me about this, we should very quickly go through this plot. The Fantastic Four follow uh, Alicia using the technology that Rita has magically recreated from a photograph. Yes. Uh, they arrive there and they rescue her. Mm-hmm. Essentially. She has found this cocoon, yeah. uh, which basically says, I'm going to be born, you know, don't do anything. I'm very weak right now. Please just let me be born. The Twilight of the Fantastic Four are fucking shit up. Although mm-hmm. for some reason the Fantastic Three, they leave Sue behind, which is very odd to me. Yes. Um they they do rescue Alicia, mm-hmm. but as they rescue Alicia, they, they leave. They rescue oh. Alicia and they and they just go. Mm-hmm. Um And the end of the issue, the last page, you see him for the first time. Yes. And he is, I mean he'll go on to become Adam Warlock, but at this point he is this nameless beautiful man Mm -hmm. with amazing power who basically just says, you guys aren't ready for me yet, I'm leaving Earth. Yeah. And that's the end. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I
0: love that. I love that him after that build-up mm-hmm. is just like, yeah, you don't have to kill me. You aren't ready. I'm going.
1: Right. I'm going. There is, again, there's a little bit of the, I sort of, you know, it's ironic for me to, to keep talking about, you know, the idea of like, oh yeah, it's Kirby's New Testament, considering how much him literally goes on to be under other creators exactly
0: i mean literally he's space
1: jesus he's literally become space jesus i i actually adore how much those comparisons are made here by kirby in ways that are very um explicit but indirect at the same time you know it's very much much it's much more the idea of you know, the entire previous build-up issue where these guys are essentially encountering the ineffable and have no way to deal with it. And then at the end, essentially in the presence of the sublime, yeah, it just, it just leaves them in a way that is very, I don't know. It is, it's, it's, it's a bit of Kirby's evolution from the way that it would have been handled Again, if this had been like a Marvel, um, you know, monster or science fiction story, you can see the the shapes and the contours of how that earlier story would have played out. And the way that Kirby handles it is, to me, much more ambiguous and um, delightful. Like I said, there is something, maybe it's just because you've got like a a handsome guy walking around in his tidy whiteys able to commit magic. But I really do have that thing of, again, it reminds me of something from, from Jean Cocteau, where it's like the story who also, now that I think about it was very obsessed with bees and beehives. Um, you know, it, 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 the dreamlike narrative of it is, is beautiful. When you try looking at it directly as a story though, you're like, what is this? you know
0: yeah it, there's there's it's very on an on a plot level mm-hmm. it's very out of character mm-hmm. for the fantastic four to rescue alicia and leave yeah yeah they to, to literally come and fuck shit up yeah. and leave and what... not be like what is this place mm-hmm. like what are, what are they doing yeah. what is going on we have to save people yeah they're literally we've got who we came for we're heading out. We don't give a shit about anything else. Yeah. And that's that's very out of character. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's fascinating.
1: But it makes sense because it's very much the idea is that the beehive seems like it's heaven, but it actually is hell at the end of it. And there's that, maybe there is that idea of the reason why they more or less force... Sue and Alicia stay behind is because they're descending into the underworld to grab Alicia. Like it's a little bit of the Orpheus Erudice type of thing yeah. going on, but, but not in any way that is consciously remarked on. Like you said, it's very out of character for them. Um, and and somehow all the more striking. Like I, I think what's amazing to me is kind of that way of like, kind of like with the Galactus saga, it's like, oh, this like this all works in a way in, in the middle of all of it, like not passing the, the tests of what you would say some a comic superhero comic with continuity would pass.
0: Well what's really fascinating is so the FF in issue in page twelve of this issue, mm-hmm. uh go through the barrier. They mm-hmm. they go to the, the, the following thing. You get a page of them in action after that, and then they're actually kind of absent from the comic. Yes. You see them fucking shit up, but the story is not about them from that point.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah. And I kind of love that. I kind of love that it's like, okay, you know, you've got your your Fantastic Four for the issue. Mm-hmm. You, you've got them doing their stuff, and we'll show you what they're up to. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about the scientists. Mm-hmm. And really, it's about him being born. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's 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 some it's some trippy-ass shit, I have to it say. It is,
0: and it's... it's Wonderfully trippy. It, mm-hmm. It's trippy in a good way. Yeah. That, yeah. That it's it's kind of a high point of. In fact, is this the 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 last like high point of Lean Kirby? Well,
1: this is the thing. We are so far beyond what I've read, except I think maybe the annual, which we we will be discussing next time. The first, looking at the first page of that, I'm like, oh right, I think I've read this. So. I don't know. It feels like the high point to me, certainly. Like, I was really shocked by how much... Although, again, I have to say, now that I think about it, the the characters disappearing, walking into the blank wall, I'm like, I really do think that Kirby was doing Cocteau here in maybe a very conscious way. Like... Like, you know, because there is a scene in Cocteau's Orpheus where people walk through mirrors into the underworld and you see something very similar to that in their images of them popping through the, the walls. Anyway, don't mind me. I'm just I'm just rambling. But yes, this to me feels like one of one of the the high points. I the rumors are that at a certain point there is diminishing returns like the that. Could there, really, yeah, there
0: is. I've read of the entire Lee P. Run. Oh, see, and I want—I want to say this might be it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I—I I could be wrong. Uh, definitely within the next like year or so, there's more Galactus, mm. and Silver Surfer, which is going to be interesting to revisit. Yeah, uh, but I definitely remember like by the time it got to like eighty something, I was like, yeah, okay.
1: Right, that's it. I sort of remember saying like people saying like, yeah, the last ten, twenty issues, Kirby is frustrated. He's you know depressed that he his his the promises made to him if not being honored by Marvel, and so it's a little bit of like, "Hey, it's a planet of space gangsters, you know, yeah,
0: which T- is actually a totally fun story, but at the same time, it's a planet of space gangsters,
1: yeah exactly which you know? yeah you
0: know. um but yeah it, it, this is these seven issues are a make for a very strange batch, mhm- um there there's three stories there's three arcs Mm -hmm. um the sandman blaster arc arguably is an issue too long Mm -hmm. and the him arc is arguably an issue too short right yeah arguably Uh, but in in the middle you have that astounding uh run in the accuser issue which yeah. is just full of of everything right you know, yeah yeah each
1: one is like you can't really throw out the baby with the bathwater i adore issue 62 read in the negative zone um like two-thirds of that are just absolutely sublime like i would not i would not kick that out of bed for eating crackers again like in my brain each one of these, I, you know, you've had to listen to me kibitz and talk about how I would turn them into mega epics. And it's really something interesting to me that, in a way, what you get are just sort of these unbalanced, un like, sort of unpolished little gems, you know? But yeah. They really are. The things in them that are, are worth admiring are, to me, just staggering. like Like, genuinely sublime shit. You know.
0: Yeah, there's such good stuff in these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's, yeah, we're still in the good stuff, but I, I do think, I want to say we might have exited the good stuff with this issue. Right, right. Uh, so it'll be very, very interesting to see what, what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, listeners, what lies ahead is annual number five and then issues 68 through 73, mm. which is what we're going to be doing with the next episode of Baxter Building. Yes. Uh, that will take us all the way up to the uh, return of Galactus, which happens in issue 64, uh, 74.
1: Oh, great. Oh, great. So that, that'll that prep us for
0: that. Then. Yes. Okay. And there's some weird shit in issues 68 through 73. Just just you wait, you guys. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, as always.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, uh,
0: Jeff. Jeff. Why don't you tell them where people can find us? Oh,
1: man, you always do this. People, there's so many places you can find us. Uh, We have show notes and entries, uh, weekly entries now at waitwhatpodcast.com. I say now because I meant to uh, mention that in addition to the show notes, Graham and I each write a, a weekly post. And in addition, the wonderful Matt Turrell has just joined us and is doing some tremendous work. Uh, I think he's got, you know, so check in and check us out there. You can find us at Tumblr at waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. You can find us on Twitter where we are Wait What Podcast, posting, uh, I don't know, jointly or co jointly. And you can also find us separately on Twitter. Uh, Graham is Graham M, that's G R A E M E M. And I am lazy bastard. That's L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. Uh, and, of course, you should uh, feel free to look for us over on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast, where currently 109 people, um, there's, there was a good, nice, strong rally there recently, which was sort of wonderful. So 109 people literally make this particular podcast available in that this was a stretch goal for us. Um, And it's turned out to be tremendously uh, rewarding for me to record with Graham every month. Um, If you check in with us next week, I believe, isn't that right? Next week is another uh, Wait What
0: podcast? Yes, because last week was the Skip Week uh, because of San Diego. We're, We're regular for a while, people. We're regular like you're eating bran.
1: Oh, I don't know about that, Graham. We actually remember we said we were going to do another Skip Week that last
0: week of July oh who knows what we're doing then I'm not in charge of this <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was perfect man I gotta say you are a master of spin but yes we are we are we are semi-regular Um, like I don't know like reason brand not like pure brand uh, come back check us out please feel free to drop us a note Uh, I forgot to mention that we can be reached on email at wait what podcast at com. Graham, did i miss anything uh no
0: i think you've got it all Whew. did you say you said the Tumblr, right yeah wait what yeah you're we're oh you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher oh damn
1: it i knew there was something yeah look for us on iTunes look for us on Stitcher if you go to waitwhatpodcast.com there's a link to our, our rss feed that you can load into your rss tracking device of choice so um you guys are that, great. That is it. That is it. Yeah. Graham, do you, do you wish to sing us out?
0: I wish to say thank you all for listening. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for supporting. And thank you, Jeff, for your mellifluous tones, <laughs> kindness, <laughs> your grace, and your patience with technological problems that have made this recording particularly difficult today
1: yeah it was it was pretty wacky
0: hopefully it'll it'll all yeah, cut you together guys, for you guys wouldn't even know because i'm going to edit the shit out of this that part where like jeff stops in the middle of a sentence that's why <laughs> <laughs> graham you're so good at
1: this you're like okay i already remember what the problem thing is and i'm going to call it out in the last really two seconds
0: What I to say
1: mm-hmm. is bye. ah so beautiful